7th of April, April 2021. This is Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly as she wraps up in the radio station. And then she will be online with us here in the podcast. So um, we were talking about gas prices as we left the radio station. And they seem to be creeping up all over the place. Here in Southern California, they're hovering just under $4 a gallon, depending on you know the specific station and whatever you're going in going to as an average um yeah they've been creeping up though it seems like they're going up a few cents a week so by this time next week they may be just over uh a few cents a gallon which is not good news for those of us who have to drive a car to get somewhere sometimes um yeah it's kind of expensive to do that and you know it's frustrating i haven't heard any explanations as to why they're going up other than uh, that they're going up, you know, you would think that with all of us, uh, you know, or a lot of us still working from home, that there's less people traveling in cars. And so there would be a glut of, of gasoline available. But um, apparently that's not the case. And so, uh, yeah, apparently the average price in Los Angeles County has risen 54 times in 55 days. So essentially almost every day it's going up some and we're almost a dollar more than we were this time last year for the same gallon of gas. Yeah, I, I it's one of those things where where we are basically at the mercy of the petroleum refineries and how much they want to charge us for their product because it's not like you have uh, lots of options. And yes, there's lots of gas stations, but you know whether they're in a, uh, officially colluding or not, it seems like it. You know, the guy across the street raises his price, so the other station does. They all do it. Magically, the prices are all the same. How you doing, Aaron? I'm good, Todd. How are you? Okay, I was just griping about gas prices still. You know, it's like we're kind of at their mercy. You know, we're going to pay whatever we have to in order to get to and from our work. And although, you know, they probably don't meet the legal definition of collusion... You know, if one gas station on a corner or in a town raises their rates, everybody else does likewise. So it's, it's, you know, they, when they decide they're going to increase their profits, they just do. Um, yep. Which is frustrating and irritating. Enough to make you want to get a car that doesn't run on gasoline, right? Almost. Yes. Almost. Or get a car that just sips gasoline. Right. Yeah. You know. You know, it, it was destroyed in a in a wreck, and my insurance paid for it. But I used to have a uh, a Geo Metro, and it was a little three cylinder hatchback. It was a four door hatchback, is the model that I had. It was a five speed, and I got you know there was no hybrid or nothing in it. I got forty eight miles to gallon all day long, air conditioner blazing. So I you know that was actually a really economical little car for getting around in, and because it was a four-door hatchback it was essentially like a little tiny station wagon you could lay down the middle seats and you could fit a lot of stuff in there so you could use it for hauling things around it was a really versatile little car um there's times I, when i miss i am a car. fan i am a fan of the of the inexpensive versatile zippy little cars so we have a c-max hybrid and 
it is it is about the same size, I think, as your Geo Metro. I think it was and, um, <laughs> The Metro was tight. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. But, you know, I can lay down the seats at the hatchback. I can lay mm -hmm. down the seats in the back. and actually fit quite a bit back there. Yeah. It's, it's very comfortable yeah. here. Um, you know, my my uh, husband fits fits in here. I fit in here. Our tall our tall family fits in here. And uh, you know it's it's mm -hmm. very comfortable. The car the car was not expensive. Uh, it's a hybrid, so it gets good gas mileage. Um, yeah. No complaint. Yeah. Yeah. No, my I remember the Metro. I I used to tease that it was kind of like you know an enclosed go kart because it was pretty darn tiny. And yet I say that I remember going uh, when my daughter after she was born we had ordered a crib for her when she was little she slept in a bassinet but we had ordered this crib and uh, and I went down on a rainy night to go pick it up when they said it was in. And I remember I went down there and I brought some red rags to put on it because I figured it's going to hang out and, you know, hopefully the, it won't get too damaged in the rain. And I laid down the seats, opened up the hatch, threw the box in and shut the hatch and went, huh, guess I didn't need any any red flags off the back end of this. Jumped in the That's car awesome. drove home smiling. <laughs> Going, wow, this thing holds more than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so and it, this thing, so it, if I, the only complaint that I have on this car is that it's got a, the turn radius is surprisingly lousy. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, and it's and it's the road noise is is kind of high. So if you like a really quiet car, this is not this is not mm -hmm. the car for you. But other than that, I really love this car. Yeah. Well, smaller cars tend to be that way. They're a little less insulated in terms of road noise, and they also any cars that have that open box design like SUVs, that open air space tends to just resonate more more road noise, and so. You know, unless they've got really big wheels and, and, and longer wheelbase, they tend to tend to feel the bumps and hear the bumps and stuff a little bit more. You know, it's just some physics that they have to really work hard to get around. And usually their focus is let's make this thing super economical and light and not not willing to put in extra, uh, you know, extra insulation and stuff to the trade off, I guess, is not what the go they're going for. You know, you make trade offs and decisions when you're designing these things. But uh, I remember my Infinity. I had a small Infinity uh, that. Had the same issue. I loved that car. Really sporty to drive. It was great, and it was the G series, and but it also didn't have a particularly tight turning radius, which I thought was weird. Um, but you know, I've had bigger cars that turned much tighter circles in parking lots and stuff. In fact, I you know a full size, uh, not full size. But well, I guess it's considered full size. The Mazda CX-9 SUV. I remember when I got it. One of the first things I noticed was that. Uh, it's like, wow, this turns a lot better than the Infinity did, you know, and it's a much bigger vehicle. So, yes. you know, in parking lots, you appreciate that. Yeah, and that's that's the only time I notice it is if I am trying to pull into a parking space, mm -hmm. um, and it won't let me turn the right. It won't let me turn the way that I want to. Yeah, like sometimes you're three point space. turning to get into spaces that you thought you could make, but then, you know, and as you learn your vehicle, you're less likely to, you know, misjudge the turns. But sometimes. You know, you think you're going to turn in there. It's like, oh, it doesn't quite go that far. Let me let me take another angle at this. So, yep. hey, you, you remember that story about the New York City doorman who basically watched a woman get attacked outside the building and he just kind of pulled the door shut and yes. didn't do anything? He's been yes. fired. Yeah, as the woman was getting kicked in the head and all kinds of yeah. craziness. Oh, He's good. Been He's been fired? Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, it's kind of your job. You're supposed to be there to not just protect the building, but, you know, what's going on on the front stoop i mean to to not take action when you're watching somebody be beaten and attacked is inhumane and at the very least yes. you know i mean that's like being party to the to the 
to the activity, you know. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah. and 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 after the guy, after the 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 thug who beat this sixty-seven-year-old woman up, um, left, they just shut the door. Yeah. You don't yeah. you don't see anybody pulling out their cell phone. You don't see anybody, you know, saying, "Hey, knock it off." You don't see you don't see anything. They're just like, "Okay, whatever." They shut the door. Yeah. Once the assailant you departed, know. the doorman emerged to assist the victim and flag down an NYPD vehicle. It's clear that they required. Uh, emergency and safety protocols were not followed, said the, I guess, the president of the building. The Dormans Union has said they did not get involved until the attacker walked away because they were worried that he might have a knife. Uh, they said that uh, he's extremely distraught and shocked by the incident. It will give all of its building service employees training on anti-bias awareness and bystander intervention. Yeah, I, I just unbelievable. Unbelievable. This, is, this poor woman was getting kicked in the head multiple yeah. times. Well, I understand that he's worried for his safety as well, but, you know, you're watching this woman get beat up in front of you. It's like just just standing out there and yelling and saying, hey, is probably enough to get I'm the calling the cops. Go away. Yeah, I've yeah. called the police. You better run. You know, that kind of thing, just to get them off of her. I mean, you know, he did nothing. He closed the door so that the guy yeah. wouldn't come and get him. I mean, I don't know. And if I remember the video correctly, there were actually two doormen who were in the who were in the video. You could see two men on the inside of the building. Um, and yeah. so, with two men, they should have at least verbally confronted this the assailant. Yeah, it says one of the workers closed the building door while she lay. So that does imply there was another one there, and one of them may have been like a um, uh, building maintenance or something. But you know, regardless of your job, you could have just been an, uh, somebody who lives there. You're a human being. Do something. Yeah. Help this woman. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I, yep. I, I don't get that thinking. You know, and, and I mean, it doesn't mean, like, put your body between an attacker and, and, and who's being attacked. I mean, you know, nobody says you have to get yourself beat up or hurt or possibly killed. But, you know, scream, yell, call the police and tell him that the police have been called, you know. Throw something at the guy, whatever. But I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I hope that they that we follow that that there's more information about uh, you know the guy, the, the assailant that he's been you know arrested and not just let go and that. Yeah, um, they did arrest him because know, they, knew who, they knew who it was and they knew you know, and he had a record and I guess he'd attacked or beaten a family member once before. So the guy has clearly got a history of this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but are they going to let him just go? Cause... Oh, that I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to follow the uh, the ensuing lawsuit that I'm sure will happen. Yep. But So yep. Um, we didn't get to it during the radio show, but um, uh, there was a recent um, – Supreme Court, um, uh, what's what it, when they when they announced their their findings, um, their ruling. There it is. That's what I was trying to find the ruling. So, they uh, the Supreme Court vacated a lower court ruling, uh, finding that uh, President Trump had acted unconstitutionally by block by blocking people on Twitter. So they're saying that no, he didn't behave inappropriately by blocking people. Uh, the justices said that it, uh, that the case was moot and it hinged on the idea that the at real Donald Trump account was a public forum run by the President of the United States and therefore was constitutionally prohibited from stifling free speech. 
Um, so what they basically said was is that you know that even though he's president, that he still has a you know that he's still a, a, a citizen of the United States, and there is a a you know presidential account that the at real Donald uh, Trump is his personal account is essentially what they said. Um, but uh, Justice Thomas, not uh, he agreed with the decision, but he argues that in fact Twitter's recent ban of the at real Donald Trump account suggests that it's a platform uh, and not. Um, it's the platform themselves and not the government officials that hold all the power. Uh, in a quote here, he says, As Twitter made it clear, the right to cut off speech lies most powerfully in the hands of private digital platforms. The extent to which that power matters for purposes of First Amendment and to the extent to which that power could lawfully be modified raises some interesting and important questions. Um, and he says that, uh, that some digital platforms are sufficiently akin to common carriers like telephone companies. A traditional telephone company laid physical wires to create a network connecting people. Digital platforms lay information infrastructure that can contr be controlled in much the same way. And so he's sort of alluding to the idea that we maybe need to think of some of these uh, legally as, as common carriers and therefore very different laws apply to them. And I think that's actually a very yeah. interesting take, and, and we need to look at the subtleties there, but I'm glad to see somebody on the court is bringing that issue up because I've argued for a long time that they're um, that they behave as platforms and that that we've given over a lot of you know that they've become a public forum at this point and so they need to be treated differently it's not that they're not still an independent company but they're not they're not um, you know these innocuous guys who are just running a website that they are a major right. means of communication within our world today and they need to be treated as such so I would, you know, I also, he, he, I think he finished, if I remember correctly, he finished uh, his, his opinion by saying that he has not, that, that case has not made its way to the court. He hopes that it does soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. The final quote here, I'll just read it. Today's digital platforms provide avenues for historically unprecedented amounts of speech, including speech by government actors. Also unprecedented, however, is the control of so much speech in the hand of a few private parties. We will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information infrastructure such as digital platforms. Yeah, which is in its essence yes. what you're saying, which is that, you know, hey, these we're going to have to address this at some point. There's got to be some legal doctrines. We've got to see which ones apply and how because – Basically, right now it's the Wild West, you know, and so right. you know Jack Dorsey gets to decide if you even have a a platform. What's interesting is that there are um, uh, something that I you know people always were up in arms when say like the president's Twitter account gets blocked, and other people were like it's about time, you know. It, it, regardless of your position, that can happen to you too, and should that be in the hands of one person? But what's even more insidious. And this is something that they started doing to uh, Gina Carano, by the way, is what they're called shadow blocking, meaning that her account is still there. She can post what she wants. But if you don't follow her and you just type in her name and try to follow her or type in her account and find it, it doesn't show up in a search. If you like go search for one of her posts because somebody told you about it, it doesn't show up in a search. So she's there, but you can't get to her. You can't. She can't expand her audience, even if there are people who are interested in be, in following her and want to be part of her audience. They can't get there, and that's again a choice being made by a private entity. 
you know, and that's so, insidious because you don't even know it, it is insidious. No, and I and I got to tell you, um, right now, uh, Stephen Crowder is suing YouTube and maybe suing Twitter as well. Um, but so because and they're suing them for fraud because Twi- YouTube doesn't produce anything. They you know, they just create the platform. They need content providers to come in and, and give people a reason for coming to YouTube and staying on YouTube. And what they're what YouTube is then doing is that the, many of the most popular YouTube channels um, are conservative leaning. Um, and so they they have millions of followers uh, who tune in every day. Um, but that now YouTube is starting to say it's starting to ban and and block and you know mm-hmm. well, uh, what they do is they demonetize it, and you can be there but we're no longer allow you to run ads and make well, any money from it. But they yes, but but beyond that, they're also you know because Stephen Crowder um, got his channel taken off the air for a week because mm-hmm. um, he read a report from the CDC that uh, that that YouTube evidently did not like. It was about COVID and it, and it was not exactly the party line the way YouTube thought it should be. And so they got kicked off the air for a week. Um, And his point is, okay, now you're commit, you've committed fraud because you, um, uh, you have an agreement with your content providers to provide um, interesting and engaging content that gives money. I mean, that brings the people for your advertisers. Right. And then once, once people are there, then you, then you highly regulate which, what they can see. So it's really, it's a, your, 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 it's a bait and switch. That's right. the point. So it'll be very interesting right. to watch that lawsuit work yeah. its way through the court. Well, it's the very same issue, and this might be the issue, you know, that, that we'd get in front of the, the that Justice Thomas was talking about was like, okay, you know, these platforms, you know, one at one hand they want to be treated like, hey, we're just a website, you know, website. no big deal, and and yet they want all the and they want all those protections, and yet they turn around and they uh, very highly moderate what is going on on those sites and you know and if you say hey well how come you can't do this or that they go we don't have the technology to do that but then they turn around and do it so clearly they have the technology to moderate yes Um, there's been a lot of complaints about um um, videos on youtube where uh somebody is doing a review of uh, uh music or of a uh movie and twitter will just automatically block it and say well you're using copyrighted material even though there is a fair use doctrine they apply it however they feel like and some places get to 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 show clips from movies and other places don't uh and there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to why and so there's been um some some lawsuits filed as a result of that too you know and and if you're going to have policies you need to make them public and you need to stick to them and and let people know what they are it just yeah right now like i said it's the wild west each of these companies does whatever they feel like and they're imposing their uh, uh, ever-changing opinions and political uh, ideologies on everybody, and that's yes. just, you know they've got way too large an audience to allow that to go on unabated without without some legal constraints to say hey, you know, you by virtue of you know the specific size of your audience or size of your user base now are no longer just a website, but you are now a public forum. And as a result, we are now going to um, you know, treat you differently. And you have more responsibility to to be that public forum that you're pretending to be. Yes. And, you know, if you define, they, they would say that they're, 
that they're fighting against uh, misinformation. But if you define misinformation as anything that you disagree with, then, you know, that that's then you have a problem. Yeah. You know, if you want to put a tag up saying that the the uh, you know, that the uh, uh, corporate view of of YouTube, you know, disagrees with with the um, statements in this you know and they do not represent the the you know that's fine you can say that don't say it's i see i don't even like when twitter goes on and says you know some of this stuff is is you know untrue or something like that just say it disagree we, we disagree with it we're not responsible for this this is posted by and it's only the responsibility of the publisher put a tag on it like that right you know and well and and networks have been doing that forever yeah you know yeah yeah, and somehow they're trying to find this middle way where they can, um, you know, remove people they don't like and put up people that they do. And they're saying, well, we're a private business. We can do whatever we want. And right now, that pretty much is the case. But but it's it's doing a disservice to the public. And we as a country need to have some, you know, the, the law always trails the activity, right? Because you can't create laws for every, you know, every imagined thing you're going to do in the future but after something has clearly been established it's time to then modify the laws to handle it properly and and we're yes. at that point we're at that point now where we need to say okay this thing this internet thing isn't so new anymore there's people who have grown up with it it's about time we uh uh set some some boundaries here about how these companies are allowed to behave when they are essentially because even the wild west eventually had the rule of law yeah, yeah. You know, towns started hiring sheriffs so that people wouldn't uh, just behave badly. And and so we, we need to um, put those laws in place and, and, and use them appropriately. So Agreed. Yeah. Agreed a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've railed on about this for a long time. And, and, and um, for a long time, I caught a lot of flack from people like, oh, no, don't do that. You'll kill the Internet. You'll kill, you know, it's like, but... I, I'm slowly seeing a sea change here where people are coming around to my way of thinking and saying, yeah, guess you're right. This is getting out of hand. Um, you know, and I understand the idea. And, and, and frankly, I tend to feel like at least I, I feel like I have some fairly libertarian views. I just assume the government stay out of most people's business. But it does have a place. And sometimes, you know, you need that to step in and put some boundaries on, on companies because otherwise, um, you know, things run amok. Indeed. You know what we didn't do? We didn't tell everybody what the trivia question was and what the answer is. So the trivia question was, what does the DC and DC Comics stand for? Any guesses? And so my guess, my guess was Dave and Chris. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Darnell and Cleavon. Um, You know, uh, no, it stands for Detective Comics. Oh. So when they first started out, they were detective stories. And then... Like um, Dick Tracy kind of detective stories? Yeah, yeah, kind of along those lines, you know. And, and they didn't necessarily even have, like, reoccurring characters. Every every time it would be different characters and telling detective stories and true crime and, and uh, you know, gangsters from the 30s. And... Uh, <laughs> And then, um, you know, and Batman kind of came out of that, you know, these, these, you know, the dirty streets and then the crime, the caped crusader came in to, to save the, the rotten town. Gotham is rotten at its core. 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where it came from. Is, is uh, detective comics. detective comics? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Which is weird when you say DC they, comics, they... then you're saying detective comics comics. <laughs> well, did, did they officially change their name though to DC Comics? I think so, and it's and it's you know, and it, I think it's actually DC Publishing is the is the name of the company. But uh, you know, they all still have that DC on the on the front of the comic books. Uh, so, um, Marvel is Stan Lee's group, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. They're marvelous. Biddy, biddy, biddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> DC Entertainment is the uh, is the name of the company, and so it's DC Entertainment Inc. And it's a subsidiary now of Warner Brothers, which is why Warner Brothers carries all of their movies. Well, and those, those, those I mean, I don't like superhero movies, but I'm definitely in the minority. Those things have been a cash cow for their owners, Disney and Warner Brothers. They have. They have absolutely been, you know, making money hand over fist. And and arguably the, the, the Marvel ones are, have been you know, making better money in I mean, better movies, inarguably they're making better money. Um, but there are still huge fans, you know, I mean, Batman and, uh, and Superman and Aquaman. There are just, I mean, you know, the first, um, Wonder Woman movie was phenomenal and did really, really well and just justifiably. So, um, this most recent one, 1984, I think was just a poor movie, but, uh, but even then, it, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, it, it did reasonably well as, as well. So even though kind of critics panned it, um, you know, comic book people like what they like, right? And if, even if they didn't yeah. necessarily like it, they liked talking about it and arguing about what was good and what wasn't. And, you know, well, you, you know, there's it, what's funny within the comic book world is they, they relaunch characters a lot. So like in the DC world, there's the Golden Age the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Modern Age, and then in the 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. And, you know, these characters are reset in new, with new technology and new times. And so, you know, you can argue like, well, this was a storyline from the Silver Age, and this one was from the Modern Age, and this was, you know, and, and the fans will argue back and forth in the movies as to, you know, what is and isn't accurate and what is uh, uh considered canon in the in the in the story line and uh what is not canon and that's a big deal for people in sci-fi you know what what is part of the agreed on storyline of this character whether it be in a movie or in a novel or whatever or, or a comic book and what is just a a, a, a side show or, or or title or book that doesn't really change the the history of that character right like the canon on Superman was that he, you know, came from another planet and landed in Kansas and was raised on a farm, right? You, you, that's the canon. You don't change that, but you could have a, 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 a movie where, you know, he was born here and, and was, you know, something else, some other way he got his superpowers and he, and he lived in, you know, in Iowa. And, or maybe he was in Iowa instead of Kansas. I can't remember now. Shows you how much I follow Superman, but you know you could change it around, but that wouldn't change the canon. That's just a one-off. And if you can tell a good story, then go for it because that's that's what it's all about—is telling stories, right? So. so, do you read any of these comics, or do you just watch the movies? Um, 
these days I pretty much watch the movies. When uh, I, I went through a phase where I read some of the comics, and uh, and there are some things that I, I have. What I tend to do is rather than reading, you know, buying individual comics, first of all, you can buy them now digitally and read them on your iPad, and they're beautifully rendered, and they, they update the, the coloring and stuff on them so that they're really well done if you like it that way. But if you like something physically in your hand, you can also buy... Uh, anthologies where they brought like a whole series of books together and then they bind it as a paperback. And so I have a couple anthologies for different uh, series that I like. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's me. Um, I know there are people who love the books themselves and collect them for the for the artwork that's there and, and the value of them and then trade them and save them and sell them and things like that. To each their own. So... Are the storylines in the comic books, are they also in the movies, or are they different? Very often they borrow from one of the different um, storylines in a comic book, or, and then and then they sometimes modify it or vera, you know, move it. Again, because when you're telling a story visually in a different medium, sometimes something doesn't work quite as well as it might have you know, in a printed format, so they modify stuff. So they're, they, they're very often based on a storyline from a... Uh, book, but not necessarily, um, you know, a a word for word, uh, step for step rendition of it. So, yeah. Now I have a DC comic anthology that is totally different than those series. Um, are you familiar with the Watchmen? Um, I've heard of them. I don't really know anything yeah. about them. There is a movie called The Watchmen, and there is a really really good series. They did one season of The Watchmen. Um, on that you can watch as a movie, but uh, there and and the movie was based on on like the first run of the Watchmen comic books. The the series was actually additional stories told off of that one. I'm hearing these clicking and smacking thing sounds. Is something? Are you bumping your mic or? I am not. What you're hearing no. is I'm at home, uh -huh. and you're hearing um, the shower. Tobin is taking a shower. You're hearing the water in the pipes in the house. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I just, but it's it was, not really it, clicking. Well, I, w I was hearing it. It sounded like somebody was like bumping up against the mic every so often or something. It was like no, uh, uh I don't know what that yeah. was. That wasn't me. Yeah, see, it just happened again. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just a, you know, sometimes there's, uh, we get these little weird uh, dynamics uh, when, we're, when we're Skyping back and forth that uh, as things are digitized and compressed and uncompressed to go across the internet, you get some weird uh, residual sounds and stuff every once in a while. So that's probably all it is. But uh, It's a ghost, I, Todd. Yeah, probably. You know, that's the better way to explain it. It's magic. It's magic. <laughs> you do have a black cat. Um, I do. Yeah, he's a sweetie though. The um, yeah, I was gonna say the Watchmen is uh, it's it's a very entertaining story and a very um, you know it's set in a in a uh, different uh, timeline or a timeline of a varied universe and like the series while it worked very well within the. Um, the, the plot of the of, of the characters and the and, and the lines that were drawn by the characters previously uh, th there's an exploration of what it's what it means to be a you know a, a superhero and what happens when a superhero retires and you know how does the world look upon these people and you know what what's it like to be middle-aged when you're a you know a superhero 
and and then further uh it's set in a world where there's some difficulties with race relations imagine a world where that would be um you know and deals with with that and and it does it in a, in a really elegant way and with some interesting story uh telling an interesting storyline so even if you're not necessarily a um comic book movie fan the series is is i would recommend it even if you don't want to read them um the television series is really well done and it's uh, on hbo so uh, yeah hbo sent, tends to do things right yeah 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 they put the right people behind it um you know it uh, regina king is in oh it, uh along with love her uh, Don Johnson and Jeremy Irons, um, uh, you know, Robert Redford is president, uh, and, and not playing president. It's Robert Redford has become president. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it talks about the, the storyline talks about reparations for racial violence and white supremacist groups. And, and, uh, there's a lot of really interesting, um, conversations around, difficult things and by putting it into this context they're able to discuss it without um you know the, the people becoming overly emotional about it i think you know you can just tell some stories um it tells uh some of the stories uh in tulsa oklahoma about the um the mass murder of african americans there um back in the 30s i think it was and uh you know, and that's tied into the story too. And and it's just it's it's just like I said, really really well done. I recommend it to anybody. Um, it's a limited series, and uh, so anyway. I actually think that you know, speaking of entertainment that deals with dis difficult subjects, I ne we need to return to the seventies when they were not afraid to put really touchy things into sitcoms and television shows, yeah. and it helped a country heal from a difficult. Uh, from you know all the unrest uh -huh. of the '60s, you right. know, and so you know, n not that we need to put Archie Bunker himself back on the air, you know, somebody playing him, but right. you know, somebody we need real, unafraid conversations that are not steeped in woke politics. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it's 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 getting to the point, you know, where where I think that you know a lot of people are afraid to even have a conversation about things because the fact that you're talking about it means that you can now be tagged and pointed to as somebody who's who's thinking unapproved thoughts, right? And that costs people jobs. I mean, it's cost people jobs, literally, you know, professors, because they discussed a topic in a classroom and people, people then come out and say, well, I was uncomfortable with the conversation. And professors have lost their jobs, which is insane. You know? Yes, when, uh, when the university pr uh, president should have said, well, that's what university is for. Right. Be uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it, it's, Grow it's, up, little kid. To, it's we're here to teach you to, to think about difficult subjects and and work on finding solutions to them and you know just because you know you got pouty about having somebody talk about something that was uncomfortable if you don't like it get up and walk out of the class you know i mean that's yes. that's your option you're an adult when you're in college uh, you know but the fact that that we've now given them this option of saying i'm going to complain until you basically cost somebody their livelihood because they Yep. deigned to you know have a conversation in my presence that i didn't like that's so stupid everything it is stupid. stupid 
And I got to tell you, the thing that I love the most about my undergraduate education was that I had professors who were all over the spectrum politically. Mm -hmm. I was a yeah. political science undergraduate major, uh, political science major. And so, you know, and I, they challenged me. And if I made a point, many of them would take the opposite point just mm -hmm. to push me to make sure that I knew what I was talking about and that I had f fully thought about my position and could defend it. That is, that's what a university is for. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and, and it's like, usually they were so well-versed in the topics that they could defend, you know, either point of view. And so they, you know, they push their students, which is great. You know, there's one show that I, I they do tend to, to cover some of these issues and do it in a, just a really entertaining way. And I, and I kudos to the people who are behind um, Blackish. Oh, I knew you were going to say Blackish. That's a good show. It really is. It's a great show. And, you know, and they deal with some touchy subjects. And not all of them are just race-based subjects either. I mean, they talk about that in some oh, of their episodes. And, and, but, yeah, a lot of parenting issues and, and you know. Family um, relationships. Exactly, yeah. How, how do you relate to your parents and your grandparents and, and, and your children and, um, and you know, spouses and uh, and you know and it just you know it's a nice snapshot of sort of middle class America dealing with the all the crap that's swirling around in the world and 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 the bottom line is is you talk about it that's how you deal with it you talk with your kids and your parents and your family and you and you have those conversations and uh, you know we're probably not all as funny as they are because we don't have a staff of writers to tell us how to but they talk about it and that's what's cool right you know. And I absolutely adore uh, Anthony Anderson and Tracy Ellis Ross are both just so fun and amazing and, and just everything they've done. I just I can't think of a thing that I've seen either one of them in that I didn't enjoy. Um, even you know. even um, was it Kangaroo Jack? Was that? The, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And he must have been, movie. what, probably 18 when he did that. But it was so good. Yes. So good. And Tracy Ellis Ross just in the last year was in a. Um, she did a, a a movie called um, um, the High Note, where she plays a character very similar to her mom. Um, it's a sort of a comedy dramedy, um, and Dakota Johnson plays uh, like her assistant. And you can watch it. I think it's on one of the streaming services. I'm trying to think of where you can find it, but really, really good, really good. I've probably watched it four or five times. I just it's I just love that movie. It is just a lot of What's fun. What's it called? It's called The High Note and it's uh, uh Dakota Johnson, Tracy Ellis Ross, um and uh Bill Pullman and Eddie Izzard, Ice Cube is in there. He plays her manager. He does great. It's um it's it's funny, it's touching, it's it's cute, it's lighthearted entertainment. It's not anything super deep, but it's just it's just very well done. I really enjoy it. And uh, like huh. I said, I've watched, I've rewatched it a few times. Um, so I can't give anything a better endorsement than that. It came out in May of last year. So it's been out for almost a year. Um, I've never heard of it. Oh, go hunt it down. Yeah. The high note. Um, okay. I will uh, do that. It's worth a watch if you just want something to just kind of, you know, some light entertainment that's going to make you laugh and, and maybe tear up a little bit in, in parts and you know it's one of those movies that kind of just hits hits all the buttons right and it's just well done and by the way yeah, you know she has pipes that woman can sing holy wow man. i mean she's diana yeah. ross's daughter yeah imagine that that she has some, some vocal talent. yeah 
I mean, not only is she a great actress, but um, but yeah, she can sing and she does in this movie because again, she's playing a character not unlike her mom. I mean, they you know the the you could tell that the you know the uh, source material wasn't hard for her to find, right? Um, obviously, she played it with a little bit more, I think, uh, uh, comedy in some ways, but uh, um, I'm sure you know she would say that yeah, it's kind of like my mom, but it's not, you know. So I have to tell you. Kangaroo Jack has an eight percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's fun. It is a cute, yeah, ridiculous, like, light movie. Critics, get over yourself. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it it, it, it's yeah. That's funny. <laughs> it was cute. Come on. Uh, audience scored it at twenty nine percent. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not Shakespeare. It's not. Yeah, I mean, come on. You, you know what you're getting into, right? I mean, it's, right. it's not. It's, it's, um, yeah, it is what it is. You accept it for that. So, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's still kind of cute. Kind of cute. So. so we are out of time. Man, that went quick. It did. So, um, yeah. So remember, DC stands for Detective Comics. And go watch the high note. And we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Sorry about that. Feeling like I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love Feeling like I'm falling in love yeah. And I'm feeling like I'm never getting